The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Yesterday, we began looking at the primary enemy of God's people, which is the devil himself. We looked at his tactics and how he approaches the battle. We saw that he is a deceiver who slips up on us where we least expect it. Join us today as we continue looking at this enemy of God's people, and we learn some ways that we can resist the devil by staying true to the faith once delivered to the saints. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. expected. And let me tell you what else he does. You know, which one is it that he tries to seek out? What does he try to do in the herd? They try to find the one that's injured. They find a weakness and they exploit the natural weaknesses of of their prey. That's what a lion does. You know, that's what the devil does. They attack the prey at the most vulnerable point. 
If you've got one that's limping, you've got one that's got a bad leg or one that's got a bad eye, you know, whatever it is, they'll adjust their attack to, a, to, to take that one down, utilizing, exploiting the natural weaknesses of the prey. That's what the devil does. I want to say to you, with, under no uncertain terms, I want you to understand this. He will exploit your natural weaknesses and attack you at your weakest point, beloved. He knows you better than you know yourself, and He will turn your weaknesses upon you. You say, preacher, how do you know this? Well, the Word of God tells me that, but I've also experienced it. I've told you the story about that night. I was in spiritual neutral. I was coming home from a late movie. It was one of the Marvel movies, and the kids, I'd been with them, and it's been, you know, a good night. I was just tired. I just, but I wasn't thinking about spiritual things. I wasn't, but I wasn't thinking about wicked things either, and I just stopped to pick up a Diet Pepsi. And the lady at the counter smarts off, and the next thing you know, we're into it, you know. Whereas if I'd been thinking like I should, I'd have just said, bless you, and go on. But I didn't. I responded back and got mad and half, almost into Gordo, city limits, before I realized just how, how the devil had got me <laughs> and had to turn around and go back and apologize to her. See, he got me. I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do anything wrong. I was just in spiritual neutral. Beloved, if we stay in spiritual neutral, he will exploit whatever weakness we have. Are you a workaholic? He'll tell you you're too busy to engage in kingdom work right now. You have a weak constitution? He'll tell you there's no way you can labor in the kingdom right now. Are you fearful? Are you tend to be afraid of things? He'll, he'll try to scare you away from the kingdom of God through persecution or fear of people or something like that. Are you an extrovert? Is that your natural tendency? He'll tell you there's not enough people here. Are you an introvert? He'll tell you there's too many people here. Are you depressed? He'll tell you there's no hope for you here. Do you lack confidence? He'll tell you everybody else is better than you. You think your life is in shambles and you look around and say, well, everybody else is in good shape. That's what the devil will tell you. Oh, my life is terrible, but look at everybody else. Everybody else is better than me. No. <laughs> Are you physically ill? Have you got some sickness? He'll tell you, check out. You're going to die anyway. <laughs> maybe you got a short attention span. Maybe... Maybe that's your problem. He'll distract you from the kingdom of God. Maybe you've got an addictive personality. That tends to be my problem. I'm so thankful I don't drink alcohol. I'd be the worst drunk there ever was. I'm, a, I'm an addictive personality. And, and he'll get you to obsessing about anything other than the kingdom of God. Are you short-tempered? He'll tell you to get mad and lash out at those in the kingdom of God. Are you sensitive? He'll tell you to withdraw from those in the kingdom of God. He is good at what he does. He will attack you at your weakest point and he will slay you to the kingdom of God. Remember what Jesus, how he described him back in John 8, 44. Let's look back over there just for a minute. I believe if anybody knows the devil, it's the Lord because he met him in battle. He met him in warfare on the cross of Calvary and slew him. He put death, hell, and the grave to death. But he knows him. He knows what he's like. In verse 44, year of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father, you will do. Power and pride, his lusts drove him from heaven. And he will pride you on today by getting you to focus upon your fleshly desires. 
And notice it says he was a murderer from the beginning. He kills. Remember, he wants to devour you. He can't do it eternally, but he would slay you to the kingdom of God and to fellowship with God. He will destroy you here. If you don't believe me, as I said, let's talk to Lot when we get to heaven. Lot was with the father of the faithful for much of his young life. He was right there with Abraham. He was right there in the kingdom of God, right in the place where he should have stayed. And because his herdsmen had troubles with with Abraham, he said, I can do it better. I can do it uh, in a a more prosperous way. I'm going to pitch my tent towards Sodom, and I'm going to go down here in a place that looks good. Beloved, he will lead you astray like that every time. You know the rest of that story. He pitched his tent towards Sodom, but then the next time we read about him, he's living in Sodom. Now, I don't know, again, as I've said before here, I don't know if he moved on into Sodom or if Sodom moved out to him. But I'll tell you this, Sodom will not leave you alone if you pitch your tent toward it. And then ultimately, he was in a, he was in a place of, uh, of leadership in Sodom, in that wicked city. That city whose cry went up before the Lord, we're told, so much so that he came down and destroyed it. And ultimately, we find Lot dwelling in a cave, drunk, committing unspeakable sins with his daughters. Don't tell me the devil won't destroy you. He is a murderer, and he will murder you to the kingdom of God. And he does it by lies. He says he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. He lies. And he is actually, we're told, he's the father of lies. On further down in that verse. You know, he's began all of our troubles in this world by lying. Genesis chapter 3, he, he began to question God. Yea, hath God said. And then, even though God said, you shall surely die, the devil said, you shall not surely die, but you're going to be like gods, knowing good from evil. He began to tempt Eve. He began to cajole her. He subtly began to lead her away from a complete trust in God. Beloved, that's what the devil will do for you. He will lead you away from relying upon the God who loved you from before the foundation of the world. You know, we of all people ought to have trust in God. And I say we, I'm talking about primitive Baptists and others that believe in, the, in salvation by grace alone. Of all people, we ought to have complete, utter trust in God because our salvation is utterly in His hands. He didn't rely on me. He didn't rely on a preacher. He didn't rely on a, a, a Bible tract or a sermon he saved us he chose us before the foundation of the world he loved us with an everlasting love he will never stop loving us he will have us with him in heaven one day we know that we ought to trust him completely because nothing we've done got us to where we are today i'm sorry to say i don't i don't always trust him completely because the wiles of the devil are so subtle and they pull me away But he lies. He's still lying today. He's teaching our young folks in the universities of this country and of this world that the world just happened to come into into being some billions of years ago and that through the course of millions of years of evolution, we finally got here to the pinnacle of evolution, which is humanity. If this is the pinnacle of evolution, then I I, I don't know what to think. You know how many murders occur in Birmingham every weekend. You know how many murders occur in Tuscaloosa. And Chicago is a war zone and places like that. Beloved, if this is the pinnacle of evolution, we're in trouble. (laughs) 
You know, the evolutionists believe that man started out at the bottom and is slowly working his way up. Beloved, we believe that man started at the top in perfect harmony with God, Adam and Eve, the rulers of the world. <laughs> and we've gone steadily downward ever since. But the world's teachings of our young folks is to pull them away and to, and to make them uh, doubt uh, the, the, the creator God. They, they make them doubt their own gender today. They brought, it, they brought us to a point where no longer, even, even though Christ said he created them male and female, there's only two kinds of humans, as Brother Buddy said, males and females. And today it's all fluid. I forgot sometime back I saw there was, I think it was 50-something different genders that our scientists, our enlightened scientists today have identified. Beloved, don't you believe it? The devil is a liar. He lies and he will prod you on today. He will make you indulge in these lifestyle choices. He will tell you to indulge the fleshly lust just like he told the prodigal son to do it. And I promise you, you know, I don't preach, you know, a lot of what I'm telling, a lot of what I'm preaching this morning would be categorized by the world as hate speech. I'm preaching hate. I'm not preaching hate, beloved. I know where that path ends. I'm not preaching hate, beloved. I know that before you go too far down that road, you're going to end up in a place you don't want to be. You see, the devil lies. And he steals. He steals. Look over in chapter 10 of John. John chapter 10 and verse 7. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man shall enter in, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. But look at verse 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, I don't have time to preach on life and the abundant life. Eternal life is solely and wholly of God, but the abundant life, you've been, if you've been born again, you have eternal life. But if you would enjoy the abundant life, you must follow him and you must listen to him. You should listen to what the words of God say because you can have eternal life and live like Lot or the prodigal son in this life. They didn't experience the abundant life. Notice why, though. It's because there's a thief out there and he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. <laughs> you know, if he can't steal anything else, beloved, he'll steal your joy. And he'll do it through lies. He'll get you to question him what the Word of God says. He'll, he'll say, yea, hath God said. God really didn't mean that. He really didn't mean it when he said for you to go to church and to be together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. He's good at what he does. But as I said earlier, and for the rest of this service, I want to talk about this. He can be resisted. He can be resisted. And that's one of the purposes of Ephesians chapter 6. I don't think we'll have time to get into the armor today, but maybe the Lord willing will come back to it at some point. But remember what he said. He said, um, wherefore, verse 13, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. That's one of the purposes of the armor is that we might withstand these attacks of the devil. Turn over now again to 1 Peter chapter 5. And I want you to look 
for the rest of the time at these verses that we've talked about already. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. First of all, be sober. That doesn't mean don't drink, and don't, you know, get drunk, although that's certainly, I, I hadn't heard of anybody in the world who's ever been drunk that made wise decisions. <laughs> Nobody ever said, let me go get drunk so I can figure this out a little better. <laughs> Nobody's done that. So you see, be sober. Being sober, though, means sober-minded. You're thinking right. And the way to be sober-minded and think right is to stay in the Word of God and to think like Christ. Remember, we have the mind of Christ. We ought to think like Christ. Be vigilant. That is, stay on guard. Don't do like I did that night. Don't be in spiritual neutral, just riding along. Because when the devil slips up on you, as he will, as a lion does his prey, you won't be prepared to meet his attack. Your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Now that's important right there. You know, every word in the scripture is important. Notice he didn't just say, whom resists steadfast in faith. He said, in the faith. The religious world will tell you, oh, just have more faith. If you just have more faith, you know, if you had enough faith, you could... You know, pronounce the devil. You know, I've heard them talk about that. I pronounce you as I declare you're gone or you're out of here or you're defeated. Listen, I don't care how much you talk about it. It, it. it doesn't necessarily make it true. It's not about faith. It's about the faith. Now, faith is part of that, yes. But notice it says, in the faith. That implies you're not just working up some innate faith in yourself or even in your spirit. It's clearly talking about the faith. You know, over in Jude, he talks about the faith once delivered unto the saints. He's not just talking about faith, that's that imparted faith in the new birth. He's talking about what we believe and how we practice. He's talking about the Bible. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the kingdom of God, you see. We need to be in the faith. Why is it important that we be in church? Why is this this exercise here, not just some exercise in futility, because we need this because God said to resist the devil, we have to be in the faith. We got to be in church, but we also need to be in the word of God. You know, um, I've heard this said before, and, and it's true. Our battle is not for the hearts. It's for the minds of God's children. God won the battle of the heart when he gave us a new birth. Now, don't get me wrong. I, you know, we hear people say, get your heart right with God. There's a sense in which we need to do that from the standpoint of the lust of the flesh and all those things. We need to put them down and we need to stay right with him and fellowship with him and right fellowship with him. But primarily, it's our minds that need renewing. Over in Romans chapter 12, he admonishes us. To get, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, verse 1, Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Just stop there and say this. Why does he say that's reasonable? Well, is it not reasonable for us to present our bodies to him in a holy and righteous way when he presented his body to God on our behalf? His perfect body was broken for us. 
It's just reasonable for us to do this. It's not an unreasonable service. He said, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Now, here's the heart of the matter right here. How are we transformed? Now, he's not talking about the new birth. These are people that are already born again. But those who are born again need to not be conformed. They instead need to be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove or test and understand what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our minds need to be renewed. How are they renewed? Every day. You know, I, I, I have been guilty of this. Sunday's a, Sunday's a long day for me. Sunday's not an easy day for any preacher, especially when we have two services. And I spend all day Sunday and in, in a good bit of time through the week, several hours preparing for Sunday, but particularly on Sunday, Sunday morning and Sunday night, especially if I'm preaching both services, and I'm in the Word, and I'm studying the Word, and I'm reading the Word, and I'm praying about it. But then sometimes I, th I think when Monday morning rolls around, I say, well, I, I got my dose of Bible yesterday, <laughs> so I'm just going to kind of leave it alone Monday. You know when I have the most trouble in, in my life? It's Monday. It's Monday. If a problem's going to arise at work, it's going to be Monday. If an issue's going to arise in my family, it's going to be Monday. If I have a breakdown at the farm, it's going to be Monday. You know what day I need to be in the Word of God more than any other day? Monday. <laughs> Monday is when I need to be in there. And it's kind of like the manna that the children of God uh, received when they were wandering in the wilderness. They couldn't hoard it up for two or three days. They could only, they only could, God only gave them what they needed for each day. We need to be constantly in the Word of God. And I don't mean spending six or eight hours every day reading the Word of God, you say, Preacher, I've got a job to do. Yeah, and I'm so thankful the Lord said, He didn't say, Seek ye only the kingdom of God. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. He knew we'd have to work for a living. He knew we'd have other recreational things that we might enjoy. It's okay to watch a ball game. It's okay uh, to go fishing. It's okay you to go to work. But the priority ought to be the kingdom of God. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Where do we find it when we seek it? We find it in the word of God. And that's the renewing of our minds. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Stay in the word of God. Stay in the church of God. Stay on your knees before God. Because you see, that's what those disciples did over in Acts after the day of Pentecost. It says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. See, they had the doctrine. They had the teachings. They also had the church, the fellowship, and the breaking of bread, which I believe is a particular reference to the Lord's Supper, which is something we do in church, and in prayer. Those are the ingredients for a life of fellowship with God. Those are the ingredients for a revival in the church of God. Those are the ingredients we've tried to engage in here in this church. And that I believe is the reason that the Lord has blessed us. Not because we're so good or so great or so holy, but because we've, in, in our feeble way, have tried to tried to struggled to try to maintain our focus on the doctrine and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. Remember that song we talked about to start with? It's a battlefield, sun, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. 
You don't believe it's a fight. Let's go sit down with Daniel when we get to heaven. You say, preacher, can't I get to a point where I've won the battle and, and I can sit down and re relax and rest? Yeah, there's a day coming when you can. <laughs> Either the day you die or the day the Lord comes back. But until then, it's a struggle. Daniel didn't just have one fight. They tried to make him eat the king's food, and Daniel wouldn't do it. He resisted steadfast in the faith. Then they tried to get him to quit praying to God, and he wouldn't do it. He resisted steadfast in the faith, and they threw him in a lion's den. And ultimately, old Daniel, who stayed in the captivity, it looks like for all of his life, he might have gotten to go back at the very end of his life. He successfully, he, succe he succeeded in his warfare in this life by resisting steadfastly the wiles of Satan. It was not fun and games, and it won't be for you and I, beloved. But ultimately, we need to be in the kingdom of God where we can be reminded. We need to be in the Word of God where we can learn what it is that we need to be doing. And we need to be in prayer to our God who will give us the grace to help us. I, there's a lot more I want to say about our warfare because there's some specific things that are afflicting especially our young folks today. But we'll leave it there today. Just remember, your enemy is mighty, but your God is mightier. Stay close to Him. Submit yourselves to God. And resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you, and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.